Welcome to the STR Data Lab. All right, welcome to another edition of the STR Data Lab. I'm Jamie Lane, the Chief Economist of AirDNA, and I'm joined today by Marcus Rader, the founder and CEO of HostAway. Marcus, thanks for joining. Well, thank you very much, Jamie, for having me here. Yeah, and and so just give me a bit on where are you at today, uh, where are you joining us from, and start on just an, an overview of yourself and, and HostAway. Absolutely. So today I'm, I'm calling in from my home here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I spent the weekend over in, in Montreal watching the two shows of Metallica. They're going to be in Texas next weekend. And uh, yeah, big, big metal fan in general, but Metallica is a special place. And yeah, I'm the, I'm the co-founder and CEO of HostAway. Uh, we are a vacation rental software that has, well, very quickly outgrown uh, most of the competition and is is on the path to become uh, the one with the biggest market share. That's great. And so, and I feel like there's a lot of maybe hundreds, thousands now of property management softwares out there. So what has sort of enabled HostAway to grow to and capture such great market share out there? Yeah, that's a, actually, that's a quite an interesting point because there's there's not that many out there. There used to be. I mean, we I started researching this market eight years ago before we started this seven years ago. And back then there were a lot of solutions and new ones kept popping up. Unfortunately, the the barriers of entry are so high because you can't you you need to work with companies like Airbnb, Booking.com, and Verbal. You can't just set up a business like this. So there's actually out of the, the top five in the market. We are the youngest. Everyone else is older than 10 years old, and many of them are 20 years old. That's how long time it takes. So there's there's not a lot of competition. But what, what has changed in the last couple of years is that the requirements on the technology have become more and more intense and expensive. So just um, the changes that Airbnb, Verbo, Booking.com, Expedia, Marriott, Hopper entering the market, Google Travel now, we're getting a lot, a lot, seeing a lot of bookings from Google Travel, and those are commission-free bookings. There's so many changes going on, so there's very few software companies that are able to keep up with that and, and be on the edge and, and provide good technology. So there's actually a lot less competition now than, than just a few years ago. But what really uh, made us grow is uh, is two things. Uh, first of all, we are, I, I wish I could say we're former property managers, but that's actually we're the opposite. We're building a technology company here and we're former technology people. Before this, we did technology. That's all we, we know. And the reason why we got so fascinated by this industry was that we found out that there's not a single technology company run by technology people. A lot of them are, are run by uh, some even from uh, investment bankers <laughs> in some rare <laughs> cases, but yeah. most of them are run by people who have zero years of working experience in a tech company. And that's when we got really interested in this industry. But of course, that's not the reason why we've grown. We, we are obsessed with our customers and growing their business. And every decision that we make, everything that we do is all, always about how can we help our customers grow their business. And this is something that is easy to say, but almost impossible to do unless you truly believe it. But we have, we have now almost 150 staff, and this is our core message to to all of them: that 
whatever is good for the customer will be good for us at some point. And always put the customer first ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So and you you mentioned how it is really just maybe five, even 10 companies that sort of dominate the property management space. Now, there's a maybe like the moat that's being built of so much and not only the integrations that you have to have with the major OTAs, but then just the functionality, sort of the basic functionality that you have to compete. And is there any differentiators that you guys have that sort of pull you apart from some of the other big guys? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, we're, we don't actually compete with, with five because the, uh, it's often said that it's a fragmented space. So for example, there are solutions out there that are really big if you have more than 500 properties. But that's not our, our core target audience, more than 500. There's also solutions out there that are really big and have more market share than us if you have one property. Now, we, we currently don't accept one property customers because we don't have the bandwidth. We have so much demand. But one, one thing that makes us different is that when we build something, we only build it if we can build it better than anyone else. And for example, our, our channel connections, uh, you know, the connections to, to the companies that a lot of our customers rely on, Airbnb, Verbo, Booking.com, Expedia, um, they're better than anyone else's. And that's not, don't take my word for it, just Google Airbnb preferred partners, Google uh, Booking.com uh, premier partner or Verbo elite partners, and then start checking which companies on all three of those in the top tier and there's, there's us. That's how we're different. Everything that we do, we only do it if we can do it better than anyone else. I feel like AirDNA and HostAway have been on sort of some somewhat similar paths. Both start, started in 2015, uh, have really benefited from the massive growth in the industry. I know, like I was just looking at the data, there was back in 2015, there was 100,000 short-term rentals in the US on Airbnb. And today there's 1.3 million. And that that growth is just astronomical. So, and besides the obvious being Airbnb, what, what do you think are some of the driving factors behind the growth that we've sort of seen in this industry? So I think the consumer, this is what I believe back in 2015, and I have yet to see any evidence of the contrary. Back in 2015, I held quite outrageous views, according to some. <laughs> Uh, but but it turns out that that's exactly what happened. I, I was the, of the opinion that the the old model of someone working hard in order to buy one house where they move in and then they live there, they raise their kids, the kids move out of that house and then they die in that house. And that's basically how a lot of people who were born in the 50s planned their lives. A lot of people who were born in the 60s. Uh, I'm a very old millennial. I'm born in 83, so the cutoff point is 81. And I, I could never understand that model. Uh, I, I just didn't relate to it. But I started researching the, the megatrends about it. Uh, globalization, for example. People want to move to a different country. Now, when you envision your house, tell that to someone who's 70 years old. Ask them, when you envision your house when you were 18 years old, was it ever in a different country? And 99% will say, absolutely not. It was, it was right down the street from where I lived. And I, I didn't see that working in the long run. And at the same time, I, what, I, what I thought would happen is that property prices worldwide will skyrocket. 
that there is, is going to be a shift where not only is is the dream of having to buying your house when you're young, the one that you're going to die in, is not only undesirable, but in many cases, it's unattainable. And that's exactly what we're seeing now with the increase in real estate prices, building costs and interest rates to, to top it off. But then at the same time, I, I recognize the trend that people are more interested in experiences than they are in owning, owning things. So whereas before a status symbol could be to own a, uh, a cottage or a cabin or a vacation home, now a status symbol is traveling. And, and all of those tied perfectly together with, uh, with the short-term rental market, where you can basically live a part of your life somewhere and then a different part. Whether that part is one week or one month or one year, doesn't matter. But I really thought that we were going to see a more you know, remote environment. For example, working from home. I did not believe at all that uh, the idea that you have a home nearer office is something that's sustainable at all. And of course, COVID accelerated this a bit. But <laughs> these are the beliefs that I had in 2015 that I decided to invest my entire life on. And it turns out so far I've been, I've been right. Real estate prices have gone up. People are working remotely and people do value experiences above owning objects. Well, and it seems like a lot of those factors have really accelerated over the past three years, right? We've had the sort of great migration in the U.S. and really globally of people deciding that I mean, where I've lived and worked historically is maybe where I want to live and work in the future. We've had astronomical increases in home values as a result. Now rising interest rates, and they're up and double over the past year. We're seeing now a lack of availability for homes. And all the while, like we had 25% increase in short-term rental inventory last year. We're seeing another 15% this year. And do you think all those dynamics are sort of playing out and helping the industry? Or do you think eventually I'm the rising interest rates, high home values is going to reduce investment and ultimately new supply in, the, in our industry? So I think uh, a lot of the criticism over the last few years have been by people. I, I wouldn't blame individuals. It's just humans as the way our brain are, are brains are working is that we we have to resist change because that's how humankind ended up being the race that essentially rules the planet is that we became afraid of change and change is exactly what's happened especially in the last three years and i can see that there's a lot of people frustrated with the changes that are happening but when you look at the past changes i mean there were, there were a lot of people who were frustrated uh, when the industrial age started and there were a lot of people who were frustrated when cars first were produced. But that was still change that set, set the course for the future and how, how we shape society. That's what we're seeing right now. And there are always downsides to change. There's, you know, if that's, that's inevitable. But I think the upsides here is that we're going to see an entirely different society 50, 60 years from now. So and through all that change... And has that changed the type of customer that HostAway is working with? Absolutely. And, <laughs> what What does that look like today? And maybe contrast that to three and pre COVID or three years ago. So I, I could say maybe seven seven years ago, one thing that really frustrated me with this industry overall was that there were a lot of young people who wanted to get in and then do things that were either 
unethical or against the rules or <laughs> illegal or borderline unethical or borderline illegal. And yep. one thing that I'm really happy to see is that we have like a lot of cities, a lot of even countries have regulated short-term rentals so that we can we can have a sustainable business. Because uh, I hope I don't upset any any Bitcoin uh, fans here. But if, <laughs> if you know if you come up with something that only caters to illegal means, then yeah, either you need to legalize that or it needs to be regulated somehow. And and I'm very happy to see with the development that we we don't see a lot of big companies managing ghost hotels in the cities. We used to have them as customers in 2015 because they were a large part of the of the industry back then. But now, you know, our typical customer is uh, perhaps a retired uh, real estate agent in Southwest Florida who's managing 10 vacation homes on behalf of her customers who don't live there full year. Mm-hmm. And that, that part I'm very happy about. And broadly, and I think we've seen it. I know I see it in the data is it's a big portion of the supply now that's coming in is supply that was already either vacant. People had a second home. They weren't using it for really anything outside of the time that they uh, may be using it for their personal use. And now it's so easy for someone to, and maybe a real estate agent in Florida to take 10 units, manage them, use software like HostAway to automate a lot of the aspects of it, and then actually generate a business where they're taking underutilized real estate, they're bringing it um, into the short-term rental ecosystem and bring bringing more tourism dollars into these markets. Like, do you see that as sort of a a healthy type thing for the for the industry? I, I've spent the last eighteen months defending our industry and defending Hostaway and defending myself against customers, against investors, against you know people you meet on the street who say, "Oh, but yeah, inflation and then interest rates—that's got to be bad, right?" And no, it's definitely not. What it means is that there's. I mean, one of the reasons why I started a company was I was frustrated with the underutilizations of assets. One of the things that really annoys me in this world today is that we have too many cars on the road, but at the same time, there's too many cars that are not being used at all. They're sitting on someone's driveway. I've got a car. It's sitting in a garage. I use it once every two weeks because why would you need a car when you can walk everywhere? But... You know, I had the same frustration. I saw these great properties, this great real estate, and I thought, I could stay there. I want to stay there. And then I asked the owner, what do you do with it? Oh, yeah, we spend one week a year there in summer. Well, why not more? Oh, we got work and we want to travel too. And, and yeah, so there, there, are, there is a lot of real estate that is not being used, but increasing costs is a yep. good reason. So I, I've been telling people, look, if you're a property manager... You shouldn't be afraid of more competition. You should be happy that there are people out there right now who have had their family vacation home for 40 years. And this is the first time they're struggling to pay their bills with increasing insurance, increasing cost of renovations. They are going to be your customer if you look at it from the bright side. If you're just being negative, they're going to be your competitor's customer. And then they're going to compete with you. But one thing that they're not going to do is rent it out themselves. They try it for six months, they're going to fail. You are the professional here. And same thing, of course, for, for us here at Hostelway. We see a, a massive influx of, of new customers who are 
completely benefiting from from more expensive costs of real estate. Yeah. So, and obviously, you guys have expanded greatly. You just raised a whole bunch of money to continue that expansion. So, as you think about that as a company, what metrics are you looking at regards either geographic expansion, product expansion, sort of how do you think about the next phase of your company and how are you sort of measuring that? Well, we had to really evaluate the investors that we talked to. We have been talking to quite a few over the years and a lot of them had plans and agendas, but we actually ended up going with uh, with an investor that supports exactly what we're doing right now, which, which ended up being exactly what we wanted. So, we, we are not going to change anything. Uh, we anyway have a roadmap that we're going to develop. The difference is we might be able to develop it a bit faster. Maybe, let's say there's new technology that's needed. It would take us a year to develop. And maybe there's a company available that wants to be acquired that already mm-hmm. has that technology and we could integrate that and offer it for free to our customers. That would be absolutely fantastic. But as far as uh, the investment goes, we're pretty much doing the same as as before. We're focusing on our customers. Mm-hmm. Now things are a bit different. We can, first of all, we can attract great talent. A lot of people don't want to work for, for a startup that has an unsecure future. Our, our future is very secure now, so we can attract better talent. But secondly, we can also afford to get better talent. You know, when you're bootstrapped and have no money, it's very hard to, <laughs> if you manage to convince someone they're still not going to accept a very low pay. So, so these are maybe the things that change. We get uh, we get a better access to a better talent pool, but we're also able to utilize that access. Yeah, and and maybe what I was trying to get to was in some of where the industry is growing. So we've we still have big growth on the and sort of mid to larger size property manager side, and then also just the the fastest growth that we're seeing now globally is in. Uh, the APAC region in Latin America. So, I mean, are you guys actively serving hosts in those markets? Uh, you have plans to like, where's your user base now? And uh, in regards to that, great question. Uh, most of our users are are in North America, uh, but last time we checked, we actually have the the highest market share in Australia. So we have a very loyal customer base. We got staff there. Uh, also, a lot of our Central and Southern American, well, actually, a lot of our staff is based there, but we also have a lot of customers there. Actually, one of our first customers was from uh, from Colombia. So we are definitely continuing uh, expanding there. On the other hand, um, I will quote one of our, our competitors. There's nobody who globally or in the U.S. has more than 10% market share. So there's... You know, we, we don't need to shift course. What, what I see sometimes companies do is they have a great product that people really love and then they stop focusing on that. And instead they focus on translating it to a different language. That's definitely the opposite of what we're going to do. We're going to keep focusing on providing a great product because that's what our customers deserve. That's great. So this may be I mean, out of left field, but I mean, it's been top of my mind recently, um, especially with the... Uh, Airbnb's latest earnings call, they've been talking a lot about sort of offering an entire sort of suite of products to hosts uh, and guests, but I'm maybe focusing more on the host side. And I'm host way you guys ha- have one of the largest industry marketplaces. I think you guys have over 100 industry partners. So 
Do you feel like Airbnb can innovate here? And if so, what impact are you going to, and do you think that's going to have on existing sort of tools like Coastway? So, um, first of all, it's, it's a bit limiting what I can say on that, considering we're a preferred plus partner. Uh, there's yep. not a lot of them. And, and Airbnb is an extremely good, good partner of ours. I think it's great, actually, for us if Airbnb brings out more tools. Um, but on the other hand, they have what they had when we started was great because they had an actual monopoly. They had certain areas where people were, and that's were only using Airbnb, and that's what invented the term Airbnb. And you know, I'm staying at an Airbnb, or I'm going to Airbnb my house. That's a term that's now being used because of that. But the fact is that they don't have a monopoly. When you when you talk to that former real estate broker who's now managing ten houses in Southwest Florida, you'll find that most of the bookings, especially those during the high peak season. They are made directly with the same people that stayed last year. So there's yeah. not much Airbnb can even offer there. They can't even enter that market. And yeah. then they list them on, on Verbo uh, and Airbnb. And Airbnb may not be you know, the dominant player, unlike they were in the big cities seven years ago. So as a whole, I think it's great if they're bringing out tools. But unless they manage to dominate and monopolize the market, which I doubt will happen, then it's it's all good for us. I mean, we want people to use more technology and the more they know when they come to us, the more they value they get out of the using software as well. Yeah, and is that something that you see? And I see it, I and mean, as the industry gets more professional, as the industry just starts using more property management tools, channel management tools, like just almost organically, we're seeing properties cross lists on other platforms, not just be on Airbnb. Do you think that, I and mean, then I get asked by investors that all the time, like, do you think that's a trend that's going to continue that and you're just going to see more and more, more and more of the inventory across all the major OTAs? Absolutely. Uh, but it, it's going to happen in different, in different segments. I mean, I was, I was recently on a, on a road trip and found myself using Google Travels because Google Maps suggested, why don't you book this place? And it turns out it was also available on the OTAs, but I, I booked directly and it was it was cheaper. So yep. they definitely had me as a target audience there. <laughs> then again, you got Hopper that raised 200 million. They don't even have a website. I think it's pretty amazing that you can be an OTA and not have a website. They only have a mobile app and they only do Gen C and they have all these flashy campaigns, which basically you don't you don't pay the the full price. Like you don't see the price. It's more like yep. you get some random number and then it's but you get a hundred dollars off and it. Uh, <laughs> you know, that appeals to Gen C and yes, there will be new ways to enter the market. But at the same time, I think brand loyalty and brand value will increase. I think people for a company like Airbnb is still young when you start comparing it to companies that are 50 or hundred years old, like Coca-Cola, I think uh, they, they can benefit a lot from brand loyalty and the same goes for their competition as well. There's not a lot of brand loyalty when things are changing, but they're gonna they're gonna settle down at some point. And then then you have another good use case is Marriott homes and villas, where people have a lot of Bonvoy points that they can only use to book hotels. But now, if you can book your vacation rental with that, well, there's no OTA that can compete with that because either you have the Bonvoy points by Marriott or you don't. And to that 
like narrative, do you think Verbo's going to change things with their one key program where now you can earn points with your Verbo bookings and and use them on flights or and book flights through Expedia and then use it to book vacation rentals on Verbo? Could that change the narrative? It's very interesting. Unfortunately, I'm not an expert on the world of business travel since we've been in vacation rental. I've been a, a user of business travel for at least 20 years now, but I'm having a hard time figuring out how that would change things for, for an individual host or a property manager in the vacation rental space. I don't mm-hmm. think it will have much of an impact. The only impact could be that there will be higher demand if people are comparing vacation rentals to hotels. And previously, they got points for hotels, but not from vacation rentals. That could definitely be an edge for the Expedia group. And maybe jumping into another and sort of topic, you guys have a huge user base. You're seeing and all the bookings coming through on your platform uh, across all the different channels. There's been sort of the media narrative out there around the I'm sort of massive drop in bookings. And this has been a sort of dystopian summer for the short-term rental host. And we've spent a lot of time out there. I'm sort of dispelling this myth of showing there is weakness, but not collapse. And what are you guys seeing in your data? Like what side do you sort of fall on on how bad it is out there? I mean, we, we see exactly the same as everyone else. We see that there's Last year was a record year for everyone, and this year is approximately the same. I mean, some some properties are doing a bit better, some are doing a bit worse. Overall, I mean, Airbnb's numbers don't lie. If they are growing 20% year over year, that means that there's 20% more business. So it's very interesting. Actually, I compared a, a Facebook discussion where everyone... 500 people were saying, well, this year is so much better. Everything's fine, <laughs> best rates ever. And then a Reddit discussion on a real estate forum where everyone said, Airbnb is terrible and this year I'm making no money at all. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just so fascinating, depending on the target group that you take and the sample size you take. I mean, data doesn't lie, but data isn't everything because data doesn't really drive the, narr- the narrative in media. It's people's yeah. opinions and feelings that drive media. And those those opinions can swing wildly. So if people feel as if the market is down, a, a good example of this is the recession that ended in the third quarter of 2021. But media, and especially social media, people have been talking about the recession in the US for at least one year after that, even though the GDP was growing. I mean, the definition of recession is if GDP goes down. But it was actually growing since the third quarter of 2021. But even 18 months later, people talk about the recession, even though we're growing. And that proves that there's, you know, the, the narrative is one thing and the data is different and they don't always go hand in hand. So what I'm seeing right now is a lot of negative sentiment. And I think where it comes from is basically that a lot of US-based property managers, especially in the higher end segment, where, where they have luxury properties that have been rented out for a long term, a lot of their customers have a lot of disposable income, but they haven't spent it in, I'll be very frank here, they haven't spent it in Europe over the last two, three years because the restaurants and hotels have been closed. Air travel has been cumbersome. This summer, they've gone to Europe and the numbers in Europe show that. That's why Airbnb's revenues are so high. Yeah. But I mean, when you think about it, if you're renting a place for 500 a week and you've got a family of seven, there's not many plane tickets you can buy for that. But if you're spending 20, 30, 50,000 a week on a beach house 
in New Jersey, well, you can buy some pretty good plane tickets to Paris for that price. And that's exactly what consumers are doing. And this is why some people feel like the market is worse. Yeah, and we're seeing that exact same thing in the data. It's definitely the summer of Europe, especially on the high end. And a lot of those traditional vacation rental markets are seeing the traveler go elsewhere. But overall, in just about every single one of those markets, overall demand still up. It's just a different type of traveler that's going to that market and causing some sort of intermarket dynamics of some properties are booked higher, some booked lower, and it can disproportionately impact some of the larger property managers that have some of those uh, higher tier assets. Yeah, and I think the data point should really be 2019. That's what you should be comparing to because that was our record year for travel. The global spending for flights was the highest ever. The global spending for hotels was the highest ever in 2019. And I thought, what's going to happen next? But now, if 2022, you know, the average property is making double compared to the highest ever year, 2019. How can that be a bad thing? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I laugh sometimes when telling people to go back and look at 2019 as a sort of benchmark year and or even as a downside, like, what would this property earn if it was only earning the occupancy from 2019? And you also need to take into account that it was the best year ever. Uh, and it, <laughs> it, even though that downside scenario looks bleak, it, it could get worse, though. And every market that we wor- look at is well above 2019 levels. So I think our views align. It's a really healthy market out there for short-term rentals, uh, short-term rental investment. Maybe some some weakness relative to 2021 and 2022, but it's really hard to I mean, benchmark off the high and say that 2023 is a weak year when it's still one of the best years ever for industry performance. That's right. And, and something you also have to consider when, when these stories come out is, you know, who has the biggest lobby? Is it the vacation rentals or the hotels? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, well... <laughs> I, I would say the amount of money spent on PR by hotels, I wouldn't be surprised at all if many of these stories are amplified by organizations that have massive funding. Because if, to be honest, if I was a hotel, that's what I would do. I would use our power and the capital that we have and turn every little pull, small crack into a massive thing in media. Yep. And I'm a little bit of negative energy. I'm everyone's pricing their units every day. In economics, they talk about as like animal spirits of just the thinking about a recession could push the economy into a recession. Uh, and just thinking that industry is performing bad and I need to cut my rates could lead to overall rates going down, which, and we are seeing for the first time now, ADRs nationally go I'm negative. And we'll more than likely see RevPARs for the industry, at least in the US, down. Uh, and this will be the first year ever, at least that we've been tracking uh, RevPARs. I mean, they're only going to be down 1%, and we're still 30% higher than 2019. So it's it's all relative, but it is it, it is down in a, in a time when maybe people thought it was going to be going up forever. Yeah, but then again, a lot of our bigger customers, they would have properties in the U.S., but they would also have properties in, in Mexico and the Caribbean. And yep. then the ADR is there, they're up 50%. Yep. Because no, the very same consumers in America, they just choose to go there now 
So overall, their revenues are up, even though Repar is down. Yep. Well, Marcus, this was a great uh, nerdy discussion, getting into the the data of both uh, HostAway, the industry, what we're seeing, what you're expecting to see. Maybe a uh, last question. If we sort of come back a year from now, uh, so in August 2024, what do you think the headlines are going to be for either HostAway or, or the industry of what sort of happened over this past year? I'll say this, say this again. I said it before. We are we are heading into the roaring 20s. Things are uncertain, not because they're slowing down, only because they're going less fast than before. But they're going to keep going really fast. And we're going to see this. I really, I really hope we don't see a big crash in 2029. But I guarantee you that any, any bumps on the road a year from now, will be very tiny compared to the massive up, uptake that we'll see for the rest of the decade. Well, that, that's some great optimism to leave the listeners on. Last thing, uh, where can people find you, find more information about Hostway? Yeah, we got uh, quite a few teams dedicated to making sure you can reach out to us on hostaway.com. Uh, you can also find my LinkedIn profile, just Google for Marcus Hostaway LinkedIn uh, Reach out to me there if you if you have any questions or any thoughts. Great. Thanks again, Marcus. Thank you very much. Thank you.